our testimony. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I make, oh, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, we love you, Lord. Let's give him praise for his goodness. Let's bless him. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's been good. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we surrender everything. Make that fresh altar. Draw near into the fiery presence of our God to commune with the Almighty, to cast our burdens and receive fresh grace, to cast our cares and to receive a fresh filling and a fresh revelation. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, and we thank you, Lord. You have been good. And we know you'll continue to be good. And by your grace, we will bless you, we will praise you, and we will faithfully and wholeheartedly serve you. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Pardon us, I'm still jacked up from men's breakfast. Men, a good group of men came out. Amen. I didn't tell you then, but when I, I at the end, you see, at the end, we bless one another. That means I got done praying, and they bless one another. And you men fill that fellowship hall. It sounded like three Tuesday morning prayer meetings for you. That I'm telling you, those men fill that place, blessing one another. I said, go to your left, go to your right. Let bless your brother, bless him. They blessed my. I, I stopped my prayer and just listened, and there was a roar coming up from these men. So, guys, thank you for coming out. Thank you all that, that cooked. It was good. Someone says, did you cook? I said, I want people to come back. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, said, I, I said, no, no. I'll give them the spiritual food. I don't worry about that natural food. I want them coming back a second time. Amen? If I cook, forget it. They, they'd have to stop at the drive-thru before they showed up. Amen. But I want to thank all the men that came out. We had a wonderful time, and we look forward to it next month. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to thank everyone, Christine and I. I know Pastor Todd and um, Sister Amy. Thank you so much for all the wonderful, wonderful cards, the kind notes, and the generous gifts. Last week was Pastor Appreciation. We just want to say we love you. We thank God for you, and we do appreciate how. I mean, some people wrote some very sweet things. I hope they were true, but they were very sweet. Uh, they <laughs> They, there was, uh, you took time, and it was, uh, I want to thank you and your generosity for all of us uh, on staff. We love you, and we count it a privilege to, to serve here in Durant, Florida, and we thank God for you. And so I just want to thank you for your kind gifts. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you'd go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 2. Children, you are dismissed. And um, Revelation chapter 2. We're going to continue a series that we began last week on Jesus' messages to the churches in the book of Revelation. And um, as we said last time, 
John the Apostle is on the Isle of Patmos. He's banished there for preaching the gospel, for the testimony of Jesus. It was kind of like a penal colony for the Romans, a rocky, barren island off the coast of Turkey. And uh, while he was there, the Bible says it was on the Lord's day. He was in the spirit. It's good to be in the spirit on the Lord's day, amen? <laughs> and Jesus appeared in this glorious vision. And Jesus gave him messages for seven churches in the area of Asia Minor. We started last week, and this week we're going to look at the church of Smyrna. And simply calling this the suffering church that received heaven's crown. The suffering church that received heaven's crown. So if you have your Bibles, Revelation chapter number 2, beginning with verse 8, and the Bible says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they're Jews and they're not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I'll give you the crown of life. Whoever is an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the one who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. We pray, Father, we thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and to the individual. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. This letter to the church in Smyrna is one of the passages in the Bible that, that deals with suffering, enduring persecution and pressure, specifically for righteousness' sake, for the sake of Christ. And as the Lord speaks to this church, He gives His own formula encouraging those that are going through the storm, going through the, um, the struggles and the storms, um, the sorrows of life. So we want to take note this morning of what we study from the Word of God, because the fact is, sooner or later, every one of us goes through a trying time, goes through a pressure-filled time in life. It's part of the human condition, but we thank the Lord that Jesus, He's got a message for us today. He's got advice. He's got a word of how we can face these things and overcome these things. Now, verse 10 kind of sums up our whole thought here. We will be tested, but God is in control of the test. But God requires of us is that we be faithful regardless of the test for however long it takes to get to the other side. Can you say amen? In fact, I know most of you are here today not because life's been trouble-free, but because you chose to be faithful to the very end. And to you, the Lord Jesus is well-pleased, and he applauds the perseverance of your faith. Now, the city of Smyrna, of all the cities of Asia, it was the loveliest. That's what the historians tell us. Many called it the ornament, the crown, the flower of Asia. It had a population of about 200,000 people, and it was one of the few planned cities of the Roman Empire. It had been around for almost a thousand years, and an enemy had torn it down and destroyed it. 
But later on, under Alexander the Greek, it was built again. And this time it was built and it was planned. And they had beautiful, straight, broad roads and tree-lined roads. And they had a gold road from Temple Zeus to the other temples. And it was just a beautiful, laid-out city, which was rare in those days. Smyrna was a beautiful city, and it was a city that was very loyal to Rome and to Caesar. It had a long history of a connection with Rome. It was one of the first cities to actually worship the Roman emperor. And they won the honor of building him a temple. And for that whole part of the Roman Empire, that was the center of where the people would worship Caesar. Also, it had a strong Jewish population. And you know that's never good for the Christian population. It was a place of wonderful trade and commerce. It was strong. It was prosperous. It was strong in political, religious activity. It had a very um, culture flourish there. They had a great, great um, library. They had a wonderful huge stadium where like the Olympic type games would take place. They had a theater where the arts would be there. I mean, I think someone said the poet Homer might have been born here. This is a very um, polished culturally city. And as the Lord speaks to this church, we want to notice this church that he only commends them and encourages them. He finds no complaint. He voices no criticism. Every word he speaks to this suffering people is one of appreciation and one of comfort. Now John MacArthur writes to us about this wonderful church and about how the church of Smyrna displayed the power and the purity that comes from successfully enduring persecution. In fact, persecution had purified and purge it from sin and affirm the reality of the member's faith. Because hypocrites don't stay to face persecution. Because false believers do not want to endure the uncomforts and the trials and the pains of life. Yet trial and persecution actually strengthens and refines genuine saving faith as it uncovers and destroys false faith. That's true. And that's what's said of these people. Two simple parts to this message. Number one, Christ's approval. And number two, Christ's admonition. Number one, Christ's approval. We see in verse 9. Again, the church at Smyrna was not having an easy time of it. Besides just trying to live for Christ in this culturally dark Roman Empire where Rome was never sympathetic to the Christian, besides that these group of believers had refused to compromise with their culture and say, Caesar is Lord. They went, they endured much trials because simply their lifestyle was socially unacceptable to the world in which they lived. You see, this city that so loved Caesar and kept close ties and relations with Rome. Each year, if you were part of this city, you were to go to the temple dedicated to the emperor, and you were to burn a pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord, pay a tax, and be on your way. Each year they were to do this. It was to express their loyalty to Caesar, and refusing to do so would cost them. It would cost them employment, it would cost them excluding them from the guilds, which would be the, the, um, the unions of that day, keep them from government jobs and contracts. 
In fact, it was considered not so much a spiritual sin, but a political sin. It was considered treasonous, and the result was often unleashed persecution for political reasons. They were attacked and they were imprisoned simply because they refused to say Caesar was Lord. Again, this church had Christ's approval, yet they were a church that really were going through it. They refused to bow to Caesar. But secondly, they had a large Jewish population. And if you read the book of Acts, you see when the Jewish population thrived in the city, they typically persecuted the Christians. They were very hostile to the gospel. They didn't want Christians associated with them. You see, the Jews had some privileges under Rome. They had a relationship with Rome. And they didn't want these Christians to be considered as part of them. So they would slander them. And they would tell lies about them. And they would spread rumors about all the things that were happening in their love feast. And all the various things that this communion meant. And they would spread lies and rumors and blame things on the Christians. So Jesus describes this church with three words. Pressure poverty, and persecution. Yet through it all, the Lord of glory looks back. He says, yet you are rich. In the eyes of heaven, you have great wealth. Number one, he says, I know your tribulation or your affliction. Verse 9, the word pressure. He says, I know you're under pressure. I know that there's great pressure that you endure day in and day out simply because you choose to live for me. I know there's a constant, uninterrupted, it's a crushing, heavy, harsh pressure that comes upon you from that pagan world around you who they're not sympathetic because you choose to serve me. They're not supportive in your endeavor to serve me. In fact, quite the opposite. They attack you and they dislike you and they ostracize you simply because you belong to me and you testify with your life against them. I want to note two quick points about walking through life that is often pressure-filled because we stand for that which is opposite the world. Because we love what the world despises, we reject what the world applauds. Number one, recognize when you feel the pressures of life as a child of God, when you go through a trial and you sense that weight simply because you're doing your best to love Jesus and live the life He's called you to live. Number one, as a Christian, you have within you You possess a greater power and pressure within you than the world and life has opposing you, than life could ever bring against you. The Bible says greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Let's look at that together. 1 John 4 and 4, 1 John 4 and 4, and the Bible simply tells us that Greater is the spirit within us than the spirit of the world that is trying to pressure us and trying to crush us and trying to keep us down. Here it is. John writes, you're of God, little children. If you're a believer this morning, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're of God and you've overcome them. You've overcome the spirit of the world. You've overcome the pressures and the persecutions of those that don't love the Lord and don't honor the word of God. Why? Because the one one who is in you, the Spirit of God that dwells within you is greater and stronger and mightier than he that's in the world. Can you say amen? 
Oh, there will be pressures, but you don't have to fear them because you've got a greater power within you and it'll keep you strong. It'll keep you steady. You have God's Spirit working and abiding in your life. And friend, that power of God is a keeping power and it'll keep you. It'll keep you strong. It'll keep you steady. Man, it'll keep you sane in a confusing world. Many people are breaking down. Many people are giving up. But oh, greater is he that's within you. Somebody say me. Oh, if you're born again, this spirit's within you. You don't have to wilt when others wilt. You don't got to run when others run. You got a power within you. You can sing in the midnight hour. You got a peace that passes understanding. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in you. Oh, don't listen to the devil's lies. You don't got to wilt. You don't got to give up. You don't got to run away. You can stand firm in the power of your God. You can dig in and put on his armor and defeat the enemies in your life because the greater one lives in you. Woo! Oh, yeah. Oh, You know, no sense in no sense in belly aching about the pressure. It's like belly aching about the humidity in Florida. My Lord, have mercy! Isn't that right? No, it ain't going away. You have to learn to deal with it and overcome it. Isn't that right? But the Bible says, "Greater is He that's in you." The Bible says, "You got a spirit within you, the Holy Spirit of God, and that spirit is stronger than any trial, any um, any any attack, any pressure this world could ever bring on you." Isn't that right? That's what the Bible says. Woo. So they're under pressure. Jesus, I know you're going through pressure. I know. But the spirit that I put within you is greater than all the pressure the world can throw against you. So you can finish your race and you can stand tall to the very end because the spirit of God dwells within you. But also recognize this about pressure. Life's pressings and pressures for the faithful ones. For those that choose to respond in faith. For those that choose to stand firm on the word of God. Life's pressures and pressings for the faithful ones will ultimately develop them and not defeat them. What the enemy means for evil, God will use and turn for the good. We might not see all the good until that day, but God will work it. In the end, that pressure for the faithful man or woman of God will actually just strengthen your faith. It'll purify, perfect your walk. It'll take you deeper. It'll make you sturdier. It's like that coal being transformed into that precious diamond. There's pressure, there's perseverance, but man, it produces something wonderful and something glorious. Not only do you have a greater power than the power of the world that would try to crush you, that God will use the enemy's attacks to purify you and to perfect you and to make you more like Jesus than you ever were as you respond in faith. The Christians at Smyrna, Jesus applauds them. He sees this as, I know you're facing great pressure from an ungodly world and from unkind people. But I also know you're enduring, and he uses this word here, poverty. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. 
You see, again, this was the center of emperor worship. Therefore, the backlash against the believer who refused to say Caesar is Lord, because they knew Jesus was Lord. It was much harder there. Other cities in the empire didn't have that relationship. Other cities didn't emphasize this particular Caesar worship. But for the believers in that specific place, it was much harder for them to take that stand. The backlash against them was much harsher because they chose to do what was right in the eyes of God as opposed to the eyes of, eyes of man. They're in the midst of a prosperous and affluent city. And these believers had to endure poverty because of their faith in Christ. They were allowed to be looted and boycotted. They were allowed to be robbed and banned from jobs. But the Lord took care of them. He always brings his people through, but it was a trying time. My friend, don't lose your soul for money. Don't sell your testimony for worldly possessions and worldly pleasures and worldly positions, etc. These men and women were seeking first the kingdom. And God was taking care of them, but all their faith was being tried. And they found out that though they were being excluded from jobs and they were the authorities allowed others to rob them and loot them and attack them, yet they ultimately had what mattered most. Because, friend, when it's all said and done, you better have heaven's riches. When all is said and done, you better make sure you got heaven's applause and heaven's approval. You might have every plaque and everybody might friend you or whatever they do nowadays, but i got news for you. If you don't have heaven's approval, you've got nothing. People might think you're great, you're the life of the party, but what the world thinks doesn't matter. It's what God thinks. So even if you have to endure some things here and put up with some flack here, make sure you got the approval where it matters and glory. Can you say amen? Jesus says, I see you under pressure because of me. You're enduring poverty because of me. You're going through persecutions. They're lying about you because of me. And the believers in Smyrna endured constant slander. Heavy pressure and criticism from the Jewish community that hated the gospel and a Roman world that would not accept their convictions. It could flare up at any time. It was always illegal for them to live like they lived. And sometimes things would subside and then it would flare up out of nowhere. And they had to live under that. Again, a Jewish community that couldn't stand the gospel in a Roman world that couldn't accept their convictions. And friend, you know what? Our convictions have always rubbed the culture the wrong way. Our convictions have always rubbed the culture the wrong way. But the one we sing about, the one we serve, the one we love so dearly, he said, strive to enter into that narrow way. Stay on that narrow path. Don't take the broad path of everyone's acceptance and the world's acclamation, but stay on the narrow way of the gospel and make up your mind regardless of what others do. You'll stay on that path until you reach your heavenly home. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Jesus says you're going through things. And the world has their opinions about you. But I say you're rich where it matters. Oh, glory be to God. How many know it's Jesus' opinion that really counts? 
Don't ever forget that. It's, for the young person, it's Jesus' opinion that really counts. Don't worry so much about what friends think. Don't worry about peer. Don't worry about what Jesus thinks. Amen? The church had much against it from a human perspective. It might have looked poor and insignificant, defeated, but they had remained true to their Lord. They had kept their first love. And for that reason, Jesus said, you're rich. You're rich in what really matters. You are rich with an eternal salvation. You are rich with a living Savior. It's so important to understand the riches we have in Christ because understanding that will help us stay content and consistent and victorious and faithful in this present world. We won't be deceived and caught up in these things that really don't matter, but we'll have a good sense of what values, what real values are from heaven's perspective. You see, these believers were rich towards God. They were rich in faith. They had treasures in heaven. Some place that would never decay and never fade away and never disappear. Faithful Christian, you are rich where it matters. Don't let this world fool you. It'll try to sell you its fool's gold. it'll, It'll try to masquerade things as being important, as being valuable. But what does heaven say about such things? No, no, no. Will it last on that day when it stands before God? Of course not. No, this world will try to sell you its fool gold. Love the things God loves. Under have your values from the things God says are important. The world will try to mock and maybe make fun and make you feel like you're missing it. But listen, if you belong to Jesus, you're not missing everything. You got it. Amen. You've got it. You've got it now. You've got it forever. Don't let the world lie to you. Oh, if I could bring them up right now. I could bring them up right now. They're in their summer in their 50s. They're on their third marriage. Somewhere in their 60s. Oh, they thought they were so smart when they were a teenager. They thought they were so smart in their 20s. They thought the old ladies that prayed all their granny. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know anything. And they left to the lie of the devil. And they curse the day. And they're embarrassed of what they were so proud about when they were 20 and 30 years old. Oh, no, no, no. Young person, don't let the devil lie to you. If you got Jesus, you got it all. Don't listen to lies of this world. My goodness. It, it boasts about things that in the end you'll just be ashamed of those things. Put Jesus first. Be unashamed about the gospel. If you're going to be bold about something, don't be bold about sin. Be bold about serving the king of kings, the one that died for you, the one that loved you and shed his blood for you. He's the one you ought to be bold about. You know, this crazy world is not ashamed of its garbage, is it? I mean, they'll put their junk right out there. Half the Christians always apologize. Don't apologize for being righteous. Walk in love, walk in kindness, but man, be bold about Jesus. He's worthy. Amen? I'm trying to tell you, God loved you so much, he sent his son to die for you. He died for you because you needed to save you, because you were a sinner. We were all sinners. We've all sinned. All stand before that judgment, but God doesn't want to have to judge. He sent his son to save. He sent his son willingly, lovingly. And you need him. And if you come to him, he'll receive you. And then once you receive him, don't be ashamed of him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Anybody love the Lord this morning? Anybody? Come on. Give him a hand clap. Bless his name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Child of God, you got it. You got it. You got it. You remember, you got something that the world can't give, and the world can't take it away. Woo! In fact, the book says that. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Though Jesus was rich, yet for our sake, he became poor, that we might become rich. Look at this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We like to sing about grace, don't we? What was this grace? Well, that though he was rich, he glories of glory in heaven, ruling and reigning. Yet for our sake, yet for you, yet for me, oh, what a good God we serve. What a loving Savior we serve. Yet for our sake, he became poor. He left heaven. He left all that glory. He took on this earth suit. He endured the mocking and the derailing of men. He became poor by going to a cross and taking the punishment my sin deserved, taking the judgment of God upon him because of what you and I did, not because of what he did. Yet for our sake he became poor. Why? So that through his poverty, through what Jesus did on the cross, you and I can become rich in faith and rich in salvation and rich in hope. Oh, what a God we serve. I'm telling you, Bill Gates couldn't afford these riches. Whoo, I'm telling you. All them oil sheets in the Middle East couldn't put a down payment on these riches. The cost is beyond the human mind's ability to comprehend and calculate. It's durability from everlasting to everlasting. Oh, yeah. If you're a child of God this morning, you are, Jesus says, but you are rich. The world looks at you and thinks you're out of touch. You're not with the latest this. You're not doing the latest that. Oh, no. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Oh, you haven't missed anything if you got me. You're rich. Oh, yeah. You're rich in your position. You're rich in your privilege. You're rich in your possessions in the Lord. You are a son and daughter of the living God. Oh, you have a standing and you have a significance and you have an authority all because of who you are and what you have in Jesus Christ. Come on, it can't get any better than that. Jesus describes this church as being under pressure, enduring poverty, facing persecution, Yet they are rich and they are recognized. He says two times in verse 9, two times, but I know, but I know. You're rich and you're recognized. You might be here this morning and feel like you're overlooked by men. But God says, I know every hair on your head. I know every thought of your mind. Friend, he knows what you're going through. Somebody I want you to know this morning, Jesus knows what you're going through. He loves you and he cares for you. And his heart reaches out. He knows. Others might not know. Others might not care. But he knows. He cares. And he's going to walk with you through and give you the grace you need to go through it victoriously. Oh, yeah. Others might ignore. Others might forget. But Jesus says, I recognize you as my very own. The world might not think you're all this. You don't live in the right place. You don't drive the right thing. You don't have the. Oh, no. He says, I know you. I know those that are mine. Oh, yeah. He says, I know the way you take. I know the burden you carry. 
I know every need you have. Jesus says to his people, I know. I know the pain of that rejection and that abandonment. I know the worries over that strange child. I know the loneliness you often wrestle with in the middle of the night. I know the pressure of that financial strain that you just can't seem to shake. I know. There's great comfort in knowing that he knows and that he cares and that he gives us grace to deal with life in a way that honors his name and pleases the one that redeemed us. More than just an awareness like a scientist, he can relate because he's endured. He's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He suffered like we've suffered. He was rejected. He suffered slandered. He was misunderstood. He was judged unfairly. He was abandoned. He was crucified. Verse 8 said, who died, who passed through death, but now lives forevermore. Jesus understands you. I know. He has experienced the worst life could do to him. The agony of the cross, not just merely a a death, but to endure the judgment of a thrice holy God. To be separated, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? To be spat upon, to be rejected, to be laughed at. He has experienced the worst life could do to him, the agony of the cross. Jesus has been through it, friend. He's experienced it, and praise God, he's conquered it. Not only was he dead, but now he's alive forevermore. He's conquered the worst that life could do. And he's here today to help you and I to do the same. He's here today to help us carry our cross, to help us bear our burdens, to help us triumph in our battles. Not only did he go to a cross and endure pain and rejection and suffering so he can identify with you and I, so he can feel our brokenness, so he can have a real compassion towards our struggles and our strengths. Not only did he endure it, but he overcame it by the resurrection. He overcame it so you... You can overcome it. So you, by the grace of God, can go through whatever this life throws against you. And you can keep singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You can go through it holding firmly to your faith and not looking back, but pressing on knowing it will be worth it all when you see Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest needs in time of pressure is to find someone that we can unburden ourselves to. Someone who understands, relates, can help us. Jesus Christ is the world's greatest confidant, counselor, comforter, and burden bearer. What a friend we have in Jesus talking to a church in a great city a prosperous city but because they chose to live for Jesus life was very hard they could have easily have compromised they could easily have just you know tried to straddle the fence and enjoyed and escaped but they would have nothing of the kind they stayed firm in their love for Jesus They stood firm in their commitment to Christ. And Jesus saw that. And Jesus applauded that. 
He applauds those that are having it tough right now. He says it won't always be like that. He applauds those that are bearing burdens simply because, not just you're human, but because you chose to serve the Lord. He says, I recognize that. I'll reward you one day for that. Oh, yeah. I know. He says, I know. I know your discouragements. I know your deadlines. I know the decisions you have to make. But fear not and be faithful. And I will give you the crown of life. Fear not and be faithful. And you'll be an overcomer receiving the crown that only Christ can give. Tell someone next to you, fear not. Just be faithful. That's all he says to them. You know, we're looking for deep things. We look for deep things. You saw the book, it's got to be deep. Everything's got to be deep. I'll tell you, serving God's not deep. Want to love him? Do you want it? Just take the want to. Was it hard for you to get here today? Was it hard? All it takes is a want to. All it takes is a want to. Isn't that right? Anybody horse and buggy? No? Isn't that right? I know some golf carts. Wasn't hard at all, was it? Just takes a want to. Isn't that right? Amen. Isn't that true? Isn't that right? Just a want to. Um, we could have a fishing contest. I'll men be at that beach at 3 in the morning. Don't want to miss that fishing contest. Just want to. Life is want to. Life is all want to. Life is all want to. We, we try to complicate things and we confuse people getting things so complicated. Here, Jesus. Everyone get deep. Jesus can get deep. Isn't that right? If anyone can get deep, some preachers think they're deep. Amen? They got all their books and they think they're deep. Now, if anybody can get deep, Jesus can get deep. Isn't that right? Am I right? He is the word, you know. Isn't that right? I mean, he is the teacher of teachers. If anyone wants to get deep, They're in a hard place. He didn't send them all to counseling. So I'm going to give you counsel. You want to get through the hard times? Fear not and stay faithful. Fear not. I'm in control. Fear not. Hell, hell's going to test you. I mean, we, we do got to separate some pairs. I mean, hell's going to, hell will test you. But only 10 days. He's only 10 days. I, I got control of how long it goes. How do we like to say it? Anytime the child of God goes through the fire, always remember, his hand, not hell's, not, not, not society's, his hand is on the thermostat. His eye is on the clock. He knows how much heat you can bear, and he knows how long you can stand it. Am I reading the same Bible you are? I want to make sure I'm reading the right one. I bring up the right one this morning. Fear not, but be faithful. You want that crown of life? You got to be faithful. You want to hear him say, well done? Then you got to be faithful. Isn't that right? Come on, let me get back to here. Glory to God. Y'all getting nervous walking down the mile. Oh, got to make sure you stay awake on me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Fear not and be faithful and I will bring you through and give you the victor's crown. Wow. Jesus Christ, the risen one. He's got a crown with your name on it. Now here we go. Christ's approval here. Christ's admonition and encouragement. Number one, in times of pressure and persecution, 
when you're going through the strains and stresses and trials of life for Jesus. Number one, I want you to take courage. Take courage and strength from the love of God that will never leave you and nothing you ever face can separate you. Romans 8, 35, what can separate us from the love of God? Can tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? No, in all these things, in the midst of those things, we're more than conquerors. When you go through the pressures of life, you need to recognize and never forget. In fact, encourage yourself with this thought. Even this can't separate me from the love of God. Even this pressure-filled time, even this unfair accusation or attack, it cannot separate me from the love of my Savior. Oh, man. Friend, God's love is stronger than the pressure you face, and God's love is stronger than the pain you endure. In fact, we see that word. King James have distress. The NIV is going to have the word hardship. In tribulation, distress. In, in hardship. That word hardship literally means in a narrow place. When life forces us through narrow, painful, constraining, crushing, uncomfortable places or seasons, Yet there is no place so tight, so pressure-filled, so narrow, that it can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can ever separate you from His care, His compassion, and His loving presence. In fact, verse 37 says, even in these times, we're more than conquerors. Now I know the world might not see it that way, but remember, Jesus says, you're rich even when things to the world look a little different. When you're going through the trial, number one, remember and receive strength from the fact you have the certainty of God's love that will never fail you or forsake you regardless of what life takes you through. Dr. Carl Barth, he was a very famous theologian in the 1900s, probably the most famous Swiss theologian. And he had all his degrees, and he was asked one time in a seminar, a student asked a question, Dr. Barth, what is the greatest, deepest thought from Scripture that you've ever derived, most profound thought you've ever came to from all your years of studying theology? And Dr. Barth paused for a moment and thought, then he simply replied, this is the deepest thought all my years and all my degrees I've ever gleaned from the Scripture. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Doctor can shake his head. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. People can run out on me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. All of a sudden things can hit and you're broken. You thought, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I have strength knowing he loves me. He'll never forsake me. Others can bail, he'll never bail. Others can flee, he'll stand firmly by my side. The love of God in Christ Jesus gives me a strength, a comfort, and a courage as I face the pressures of this life. Can you say amen? Secondly, take consolation from the reality of his reign over all things. Verse 8 said, I am the first and I am the last. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. The risen Christ 
and serve a risen Savior is in the world today. The risen Christ has experienced the worst life could do, and he conquered and triumphed over it for you and for me. Trials come and trials go. But the risen Savior that we love will forever be reigning and ruling over life and over the lives of his faithful ones. That's you and me. Always remember, church. Church in Smyrna. Church in Pleasant Grove. Always remember and never forget, Rome doesn't rule. Washington doesn't rule. Beijing doesn't rule. Satan doesn't rule. Heavy circumstances and, and, and an oppressive culture doesn't rule. Your Savior rules forever and forever. All power and authority is His. So you might go through it, but remember, you serve the one that's alive. You serve the one that faced the worst. Men and devils could throw at Him. He overcame it, and so can you. He's in command and you're in His care. And lastly, take counsel from His command. We kind of jumped ahead to that, but look at verse 10. It's so simple. Here it is. Here's the deepness. You can save yourself the book. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. He knows the future, doesn't he? He knew it was coming. He knows what's coming. Amen? Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you. The, the devil's going to put some of you in prison to test you. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna let him, he's going to do it. He's going to test you. He's going to prove who's real and who's not. You get saved, you've got to get some trials to prove if it's real or not. Your trials prove reality or not. They've got to test that metal. Amen? Hallelujah. So don't be afraid. Brett, don't be afraid. You're going to go through some things. That's part of life. He says, but I'm in control of everything. Amen? The devil will test you, but if you got the real thing, amen, you can go through it. Isn't that right? If you're a true Christian and really do love the Lord, you can go through it. He says, now listen, it's only going to be for a certain amount of time, 10 days, a certain amount of time. See, Satan's not in control. Heaven is. He's in control. This is what I want you to do now. I assure you, he says, I'm in control. You're in my care. This is what you need to do. Be faithful. So I'm asking of you. I'm not asking that you'll figure it all out. You try to figure out life, brother, you're going to need some Tylenol. That's all I'm going to say. Isn't that right? You can't figure it out. The godly suffer. The wicked get away with it. I mean, life is weird. Isn't that true? Let's be honest, right? All right, this, this joker, he's lazy, he gets a promotion, you're working your tail off, and you get overlooked. I mean, life is, are you with me? Are we living in the same life? And I'm all, he didn't say figure it out. You know what he said? Be faithful. But wait a second. Be faithful even to the point of death. He's not playing games, is he? No, don't, don't just be faithful on Easter and Christmas. Be faithful to the point of death. But if you'll do that, I'm going to give you the crown of life. Oh, that, that, that crown there is the, is the, the Stephanos, the two type of crowns in that Bible. One is the diadem, that royal crown the kings put on their head. The other is the Stephanos, that wreath that the Olympians would put on their head that would win. 
He says, I'm going to give you the winner's crown, the Olympian, the one that triumphed and won the race. Oh, hallelujah. That's his counsel to us. You're going to go through some things. Fear not. Government's going to mess up. Fear not. This old body that used to be able to run and not grow weary has a problem going up the steps. Fear not. Isn't that right? Friends that, you know, you were there for them, now they unfriended you. Fear not. <laughs> Life can be a bear. Fear not. Don't try to figure it out. Just keep walking in love. Fear not. Don't get ugly like them. Just keep a sweet spirit about you. Love like Jesus loved you. Fear not. Hell's going to try to test you to see if you got the real goods. And some are going to be exposed. But as for you, fear not. Just be faithful. Even to the point of You know, the one thing about pastoring long enough is you, you get to know everyone's story. You get to know the story. You get to know the story. And many of you, you're here because you chose to be faithful regardless. You chose to be faithful even unto. When you couldn't figure them out, you stayed faithful. When it seemed like life was unfair, you stayed faithful. When it seemed like hell had the last say, but you know deep down it didn't, you remained faithful. To you, to you, he calls the overcomer. Verse 11, whoever is ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And the one who overcomes, who overcomes, will not be hurt at all from the second death. Wow. I'm closing this up. Isn't God good to us? Isn't God good to us? Now, I don't try to make fun of people that are trying to get deep on you. I'm just trying to tell you, if you want to serve the Lord, it's not complicated. Fear not and be faithful. Isn't that right? Give Jesus his proper place in your life and serve him. Fear not. He knew the enemy's plan. It was in complete control of the situation. Fear not. He's in control of it. You're going to go through some turbulence in this life, but the most important thing, the most important thing is not understanding it, not somehow, but it's staying loyal and faithful to Jesus, even if it costs you everything. Fear not and be faithful. The true believer will be faithful. That's the evidence of the genuine article. The man or the woman that stays faithful, even when life isn't easy. It said like this, even when life's unfair, they remain faithful. Even when their testimony is tested, they remain faithful. Even when the world calls and Satan seduces, they remain faithful. Faithful to Jesus, even at the point of death. You know, Smyrna, the church we studied this morning, Smyrna, you see in the name Smyrna. Smyrna, myrrh. It was often translated myrrh. Remember myrrh? It's that, that resinous substance. It's that substance that when you crush it, it releases a beautiful fragrance, a perfume-like smell. Well, the same way you would crush myrrh, this church was crushed by persecution. 
and it gave off a fragrant aroma of faithfulness unto God. Man, what a prayer, Lord. When life works us over and crushes us, let the fragrance that comes out of our hearts be faithfulness unto the Lord. Isn't that something? They gained the crown, and they weren't harmed by the second death. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Remember the old preachers used to say, I know them Baptist preachers say it, there, there, there's a, a, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. One writer said it like this, the message of the letter to the church of Smyrna is as searching for us as it was for them. If we are true, we shall suffer. But let us be faithful and not fear. Jesus Christ, the first and the last who died and lives again, he knows our trials. He controls our destiny and will grant to us at the end a crown of life. Oh, what a day that will be. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Smyrna, the suffering church that stood tall and met with Jesus, is calling each one of us to do. We're going to open the altar now. If you're here today and things are not right with you and God, please make them right. Nobody wants to embarrass anyone, but sincerity. He loves you. He died for you. It doesn't matter what you've done or how many times you tried or failed. He loves you. He died for you and his arms are open wide to you. He invites you, but you've got to respond. Well, if you'll come to him, he'll receive you, and he'll forgive you, and he'll make you brand new. So if you're here today and you haven't received Christ, hey, we're going to open the altar. We're going to be praying for a bunch of things. Come on up and let someone pray with you. If you're here today and maybe um, the pressure was getting to you and you were starting to maybe compromise a little here and there, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you that it's time to get back to that firm and proper commitment, well, then talk to the Lord before you leave. Make, make a fresh devotion. Make a fresh consecration. But for all of us that are living in this fallen world, doing our best to serve the Lord, going through bad reports, going through broken down bodies, going through, amen, let's fear not. The one that died for you and loves you is in control of your life. So fear not. He knows what's coming. Fear not. He'll bring you through. Fear not, and let's stay faithful. Amen. Regardless of what life throws at us, let's stay faithful in our love and devotion to Jesus. Isn't that right? Amen. Stand with me, please.